Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 35, and today's episode is called Love's Accountability. So unless you have completely been off the grid, you have likely heard uh, about the incidents in Charlottesville, Virginia that occurred yesterday, uh, August 12th. There was a white supremacist rally, and in that rally, there was excessive violence shown toward those who were protesting against the rally, and uh, one person was killed and 19 or more were injured in the violence. Uh, It's important. This is not a political podcast whatsoever. It is a human podcast, however, and I think it's important that we name acts of violence accurately, and I think it's important to really call them what they are. I read a good article about this. It was very direct, and it was really interesting. This writer author named John Pavlovitz, he wrote a blog entry this morning or yesterday, I forget, uh, about this incident. So this is, this is an excerpt from his blog entry about this incident. This is racism. This is domestic terrorism. This is religious extremism. This is bigotry. It is blind hatred of the most vile kind. It does not represent America. It does not represent Jesus. It does not speak for the majority of white Americans. It is a cancerous, terrible, putrid sickness that represents the absolute worst of who we are. No, naming it won't change it, but naming it is necessary nonetheless. It's necessary for us to say it, especially when the media, media won't, when our elected leaders won't, when our president won't. It's necessary to condemn it so that we do not become complicit in it. This is our national history being forged in real time, and to use words lacking clarity now would be to risk allowing the ugliness off the hook or to create ambiguity that excuses it. And yes, there are all sorts of other ways that racism and privilege live and thrive, ways that are far less obvious or brazen than tiki torch-wielding marches. There are systemic illnesses and structural defects and national blind spots that we need to speak to and keep pushing back against, and we will. But in moments that are this clear, when the malignancy is so fully on display, we better have the guts to say it. White people especially need to name racism in this hour, because somewhere in that crowd of sweaty, dead-eyed, raw-throated white men are our brothers, our cousins, our husbands, and fathers, and children, those we go to church with and see at Little League in our neighborhoods. They need to be made accountable by those they deem their own kind. They need to know that this is not who we are, and we don't bless or support or respect this. 
They need white faces speaking directly into their white faces, loudly and on the behalf of love. Though all of us can eventually trace our lineage back to oneness, all carrying a varied blood in our veins, the surface-level differences matter to these torchbearers. They value white lives and white voices above others, and so we, whose pigmentation matches theirs, need to speak with unflinching clarity about this, or we simply amen it. So I'm saying it. We are not with you, torchbearers, in Charlottesville or anywhere. We do not consent to this. In fact, we stand against you alongside the very beautiful diversity that you fear. We stand with people of every color and of all faiths, people of every orientation, nationality, and native tongue. We are not going to have this. So that's a quote from John Pavlovitz, who blogged about this this morning. I will put the link for that blog entry on my website, lifeinthewhirlwind.com slash podcast slash episode 35, so that you can uh, find it there if you'd like. So I know this is a, this is a sparky topic, and uh, I understand that, and I do feel, you know, I, I, I feel the need to speak in some capacity of truth about these things. And so I actually posted this quote and this article on my Life in the Whirlwind Facebook page this morning, and I got my very first hate mail ever. There's a first time for everything. <laughs> so um, I kind of feel like it didn't make me nervous, actually. I felt like I was actually doing something truth and light-filled just based on the hate mail. It was kind of interesting. But anyway, so before before the Charlottesville event occurred, this episode was going to be called Dis- Demystifying Love of Self. And I feel like we might need this topic just as much in light of the incidents in Charlottesville this weekend. So I sometimes get questions about the stuff that I teach on being beloved and about self-compassion and love toward the self and things like that, because I think a lot of people, particularly Christians in America for some reason, um, just seems to be part of the culture that American Christianity perpetuates sort of a denial of self. And so a lot of people actually have a lot of questions about, you know, how are self-love and narcissism different or are they the same? You know, a lot of people I've heard, you know, thinking of the contemplative movement and thinking of it as sort of navel gazing or um, too much thought of self. And I understand that, you know, it's, it's a valid question because I think it's important to keep asking, you know, are we focusing on ourselves or are we focusing on the whole, the world, others, etc. So in order to talk about love, I want to talk first about narcissism. And I'm about to make some broad generalizations as a warning. So narcissism typically, and now there's a difference between narcissism 
and narcissistic personality disorder. I'm not diagnosing anyone with narcissistic personality disorder, but everyone operates on a spectrum of narcissism of some kind. So we all have bits of it in us, whether it's uh, more of a victim approach or if it's more of a mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest, blah, blah, blah. Um, But narcissism is sort of this love and focus on self in a certain way. So I want to talk about a few aspects of narcissism that are going to apply to this conversation today. So narcissism often ignores areas of needed growth in the self. That's one aspect of it. And the reason that a person who experiences narcissism sort of needs to perpetuate that ignorance of need for growth is because it's almost like narcissism keeps you in a state of survival. It keeps you, it keeps the ego self protected. And the ego self is the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning to some degree. It motivates us. And so in order to survive, sometimes we need to ignore areas of growth because we're not really sure we'll be okay if we see the ways in which we are not perfect or good, quote unquote good, right? So we can't, this leads to often a difficulty in taking responsibility for the parts of us that hurt other people or the whole of humankind. So it is very self-protective. It is defensive at times. And we can all be full of blind spots in order to protect this sense of self that keeps us getting out of bed in the morning, right? So it's not, I'm not calling this bad. In some ways, narcissism can be a protective thing. And removing the need for protection is kind of the way out of narcissism to some degree, which we'll talk about in a minute. But narcissism often and usually lacks a certain level of self-awareness So, you know, one of my, um, a mentor and a teacher of mine has been a woman named Diane Langberg, who's a psychologist, and she works in the field of trauma quite a bit. And she's been in this field for 45 years. And she often says, self-esteem isn't about good self-esteem or bad self-esteem, but accurate self-awareness is the goal. So being able to see our quote-unquote good and acceptable qualities and our quote-unquote bad or unacceptable qualities or our shadow selves, as we've talked about in previous episodes, being able to accept both of those things and hold them in tension is extremely difficult and extremely fruitful and can really lead to a lot of growth and strength and substance in a person. It's sort of like we know we're going to be okay, even though we have both the hard and the simple parts of ourselves, right? These are just words, labels that I'm throwing on these things, which we often use. But narcissism doesn't really see the entire self. Um, It just kind of sees the acceptable parts. And therefore, it tends to lack accountability. So this word came up in 
the John Pavlovitz excerpt, but this word accountability really seems to be popping up for me recently in books that I'm reading, in podcast episodes that I've been listening to, and certainly with these events in Charlottesville. And last week, episode 34, we talked about how love sees. And when I said that love sees, what I meant by that was that real love, genuine love, not feelings, but the actual expression and commitment of love, commits to the entire substance of a person. And that means seeing all of the grit and the grime and the warts of a person or yourself and you still move toward yourself or that person. And you see that person with invaluable worth, regardless of, you know, in in the company of the grit and the grime and the warts and the things that are areas of growth, areas for growth. And love, because it sees and it moves toward, love sort of holds us accountable and holds us committed to growth because it seeks self-improvement for the sake of the whole. And it sort of is on a mission. Love is on a mission to some degree, right? So people who love themselves in this way, actual love, real love, you know, real substance, commitment to substance, people who love themselves tend to hold themselves accountable to being the best possible versions of themselves. This, in turn, which I could probably talk about in much more detail at some point, which I won't, I don't have time for today, but this is why we hear these things like, you can't love others until you love yourself. Because it's pretty difficult to see the substance and the varying qualities of another person and love them as a whole, unless we've done this for and with ourselves. And maybe even if we haven't experienced it, it makes it a lot harder. So, you know, here, here's a, this is, so this is an interesting topic, right? This accountability and being our best selves. This is what love does. It's love's accountability. So have you ever gotten a letter or have you ever had a difficult conversation with somebody that you know who had complaints about you and spent the entire time of, you know, discussing these complaints with you, talking about you. You know, there was a lot of, as a counselor, you know, we talk about um, interpersonal effectiveness and communication, healthy communication styles being about using I language, like when this happens, I feel this, and I've experienced this before, you know, and using I language. So you almost, you know, there's this non-defensiveness and there's this taking responsibility. So, you know, when you have someone come to you who has complaints about you but spends the whole time talking about you, it puts you on the defense, right? I mean, it's really hard to be open because you feel like there are darts coming at you and Our brains are built to protect us. We have a fight or flight mechanism, and maybe you do a little bit of both in this scenario. Someone comes at you with complaints, and they're pointing the finger, and they're saying you quite a bit, bringing these complaints to you, and not 
particularly, you know, not they're they're defensive and they create a defensiveness and it creates a defensiveness in you, a protection mechanism. Conversely, on the other end, how is it instead when someone comes to you with feedback but takes responsibility for their own need for growth? So in bringing these complaints or constructive feedback, whatever you want to call it, to you, they also weave quite a bit of authentic and genuine admission of the ways in which they need to grow and the ways that they've contributed to the problem or not responded the way they wish they had. What a difference, right? Unfortunately, some of you might not even know what I'm talking about because it can be rare to have this kind of experience. And uh, there are, sometimes it takes decades to find a person in your life who's willing to do this kind of thing with you. So an aspect of being part of a whole as human people is that we really need each other's eyes to see clearly. So this is a big part of why community is important and why it's essential is because of this accountability factor. So accountability doesn't just come from ourselves. It needs to come from others as well. I need the eyes of my friends to see clearly, to see myself clearly, to see the world clearly, because they have experiences that I can't have. And in order to receive that vision from my friends, I need to be open and I need to be okay with myself and I need to hold myself accountability, accountable to my growth areas so that when I hear them and their experience, I don't become defensive and I don't become angry, but I actually can hear them. So we need each other's eyes. We really do. And I think to some degree, I'm a little reluctant to say this because it makes me feel lots of feelings, but I think I even need the eyes of neo-Nazis and white supremacists and alt-right people who are involved in Charlottesville this weekend. Not because I value their values and I have and I share values with them, but I saw a level of blinding hatred and anger and darkness and exclusivity that gives me a greater increased awareness of how destructive anger and prejudice become when left unchecked. When there's no accountability, I saw what it's capable of. And I, you know, there's this is a whole other argument. It's sort of a anthropological, theological, philosophical argument of, you know, are we all capable of the same kinds of things? I don't know. But what I do know is that lack of awareness, lack of accountability mixed with anger, defensiveness, and prejudice when left unchecked are destructive. And when these things come, when I see these things, I need them so that I can have a bigger vision for what is possible if I don't have accountability. My heart grieves bitterly today as I looked in the news 
and I witnessed what humans can become without accountability, without the accountability that love has for us and each other that holds us. So I choose to approach the world of both myself and others with curiosity and openness and zeniality and hospitality because that is a kind of accountability that I am committed to and that I value because I've seen its power and I invite you to do the same. If you're listening to this, you are showing up for a reason and you find this intriguing and there's an openness in you. And so I just invite you to consider that, you know, here's my here's my invitation to you for this week. How might you see more truth about yourself, the things that you have, you know, pushed to the shadow, pushed to the darkness? And how do you choose to move toward all of your parts with curiosity and hospitality as if it belongs it all belongs and so in doing this how might you even increase your accountability in such a way that makes you more able to respond to your own need for growth and therefore deposit into this great hole that w h o l e that we call humanity something good and something uh, that's growing and moving in a direction and expanding and becoming. So here's your blessing this week. This is from Maya Angelou. She wrote something called Letter to My Daughter. Really important read. Uh, She says, You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide to not be reduced by them. So to all of the victims of the violence and the hatred in Charlottesville this weekend, to all the victims of violence and hatred in micro, macro, and mezzo ways, all the different aspects of hatred and prejudice and Uh, fear of other. Our hearts are with you, and may you never be reduced or diminished by another's ignorance of your invaluable worth. It's all left up to us to change this present situation. Take lesson from our elders. Don't make the same mistake. Let's do the world we love and get rid of all the hate. Our elders taught us one thing, practice another. present situation our leaders make us fight we don't know what for if they want people 
self-empowering movement that's on the rise the more the doors open the more the youth can see a fair chance means a greater opportunity to have a brighter future deeper insight work hard to be anything you want in life it's what it's all about the longevity educated enough to know what's ahead of me here to straighten it out seeking your find they can cage your body but not your mind we lay it all on the line in the struggle we grew but together here's what we gotta do It's all left up to us. Our generation. Let's do just what we must. Straighten it out. Straighten it out. Come on. Straighten it out. Straighten it out. 